All right. So Tyler, the other day I was in my front yard. I have these flower beds. Well, they're not really flower beds. They're rock beds. There's bushes, but there's no flowers. And I don't want the weeds either. So I laid down the weed barrier, put the rocks on top, you know, but yeah. the, 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 the weeds still get through. And so every once in a while, I have to go pull the weeds out, which is, you know, annoying, but it's got to get done so that the house looks nice. But it occurred to me, I have often thought that once you reach adulthood, a lot of life is sort of just gardening, like keeping, keeping the things going. It's maintenance. Yeah. And normally I think of that in terms of do a little bit every day, you know, keep, you know, just keep the things up, keep them going. Consistency. Yeah. Consistency. There you go. But the weeds in my front yard are kind of different. If I just let them grow for a month and then I clear them all out at once, it's actually easier to pull them up because they have grown larger. They're easier to get the roots out. And so I don't know how to feel about this because it's kind of the opposite of my <laughs> normal philosophy of gardening, of just do do a little bit at a time and take care of things as they come up. Where the front yard, I'm I'm very happy to just let it go for a month because it'll be easier to just pull the pull the tall weeds well life is all about trade-offs and that seems like a reasonable trade-off right you're you're batching the task of weeding to once a month that's which sounds really efficient but the trade-off is you have weeds for a few weeks i guess that people mm-hmm. can see and judge you about your yard i guess but right my my na- my next door neighbor has a pristine lawn he takes really good Ugh. care of it and, and my lawn is not <laughs> not pristine. So I feel a little bad about that, but what do you do? Yeah, it's interesting. Gardening. Hello there, dear listener. I am Steve. And I'm Tyler. And this is It's Not About the Money, where we discuss a wide range of topics related to creating and running small businesses. The two of us are small business owners ourselves, just trying to make sense of the world one podcast at a time. Today, we have a possibly recurring feature on the podcast. We're going to do a book club. And the right. book is called The Prosperous Coach, Increase Income and Impact for You and Your Clients. It's written by Steve Chandler and Rich Litvin. And the uh, eagle-eared listener, is that a thing? Eagle-eared? The folks who have been paying attention <laughs> will notice that Tyler has mentioned this book many times. Yeah, I was going to say, so I wonder high which time one to of talk us about it. recommended this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was me. Absolutely. And I thought it was a great book. Yeah, one of the reasons I suggested this for our book club episode is because as I was reading it, I couldn't help thinking about your business, actually. And we've talked about some of this a little bit here and there in previous episodes. So I'm really curious to get your reaction to the book. And whether you feel like, well, whether you agree with my (laughs) thoughts about that, like, does it apply to you at all? Do certain parts of it apply and others not, etc. So okay, well, it's funny you say that, because when I started reading it, I listened to the audiobook, actually, but started, I thought, should I be a coach? Like, is this is this is that what I should be doing with my life? Wait, what uh, made you think that? Just because it sounds so... <laughs> I can't remember now exactly, but just the... the It's a compelling vision of a business owner who 
serves his clients very well and mm. can meet their needs and help improve their lives. Somebody who's making a difference in the world. Yeah. That, that was a compelling vision as I'm starting to read this book. So I think that's, it was something like that. Well, I like that. And I, I, and maybe that's why I couldn't help but think of your business and potentially other businesses, because there are elements of what they teach about how to be a coach in this book that could be talked about in terms of just providing excellent service, regardless of what you do. Right. And, you know, I guess the reason someone like me would be interested in a book like this is because I own a coaching business and I want to know how to succeed and grow and be a prosperous coach. And so a lot of the book focuses on things we've talked about in previous episodes, like how to find slash create clients and how to grow your business as a coach and how it's different from other business models potentially. But like I said, I I've imagined so much of this is just widely applicable. Mm-hmm. I agree. The The further I, I got, the more it became focused on coaching specifically. But I do think I, I agree with you that there are principles all throughout the book that apply no matter what business you're in. If you're serving customers, trying to help make their lives better, there's something in here for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the things in this book that stuck out to you as someone who's running a tax preparation business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go through a few of those. One theme that I noticed is that they said something along the lines of people don't buy hours of coaching. They're, they're buying, what they're trying to buy is a life transformation or a path toward achieving a goal or so they're, they're trying to buy the outcome, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. And it reminds me of a quote by a business coach for CPAs. Her name is Geraldine Carter, and I follow her work. She's got a lot of great stuff. But she said once, nobody ever bought a pound of engineering. You don't go out to buy engineering. You, you go out with like you've got water that collects on your driveway when it rains. And the thing that you want to buy is for the water not to be there when it rains. So you want proper drainage or whatever. You don't really care what it takes. You don't care that you have to calculate the flow rate of the the water and all of that. Like that doesn't matter to you. You just want the water to be gone and yeah. never to come back. And that's so as the engineer selling those services, you have to position it that way. Because that's a much more compelling thing than you can hire me for five hours and I can do engineering for you. Like, what what, what, what does that mean? Right. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I would say the same thing applies. Like a real obvious coaching example to me would be the realm of personal training, right? Where people are trying to either lose weight or gain muscle or both. Like, that's what they want. They want to look good. They want to feel good. They're not. Yeah, they're not necessarily paying for the hours they want the results right how, how do, and i can i mean i have my own thoughts about this but how, how do you see that applying to your business well geraldine carter uses that story to relate to accounting specifically or clients don't want to buy accounting they want to buy you know whatever goal it is they're trying to achieve in their business and it's not really the accounting is sort of just a a thing that has to happen in order to achieve the business goals. Mm-hmm. So as an as a tax professional, I can't sell the accounting. That's not a compelling offer, but I can I can sell what? 
that's the that's the part I'm trying to figure out still, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's that fair. I, now that you ask. Well, we've talked about peace of mind, convenience, peace, oh, right? Uh, yes, that's right. That's true. So, yeah, the peace of mind, the um, sort of being a trusted advisor who can guide you along these things help you make the decisions that you're not quite sure about because you don't know the territory of taxes or whatever bookkeeping yep yeah and that's the thing that people want another thing that i thought of while we were reading that we've mentioned this other book 100 million dollar offers by alex harmozy he said something similar that people are looking to buy in order to reduce risk and that's risk to their time or to their money or to the likelihood of success. And so if you can craft an offer that uh, conveys that they will save time or they will save money by paying you or they will increase their likelihood of success by hiring you, that's a compelling offer. Yeah, and that's a huge part of the value proposition of coaches specifically, I think, is often people are coming regardless of what you're seeking coaching for could be personal finance, could be physical fitness, could be all kinds of things. There's all kinds of life, life coaches out there. You've tried to succeed many times and you haven't achieved the results that you want on your own. And so now you're open to help from someone else. Right. And so the perception of increasing the likelihood of success, I think is a big selling point. You know, I will be more successful if I have someone helping me, I just did this, by the way, I just hired a coach to help me with my physical fitness, or I should say my lack of physical fitness <laughs> for okay. this exact reason, right? I mean, I've got my exercise bike, I've got my weights, I've had periods of semi consistency in my own working out over the years, but I'm like, you know what, I'm going to hire someone to help me. And it's we just started this week. Actually, it's it's great. I'm excited. Oh, cool. Because I That's think exciting. I'm more likely to succeed if I have someone coaching me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think Rich and Steve would be pleased with you because they do make a point somewhere in the book of if if you're a coach, you ought to have a coach as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if only for the, the fact that that conveys that you believe in coaching that enough that you'll hire coaches to help you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> Can I tell a little story right here? I guess I yeah. it, the timing on this is very interesting because I haven't hired a coach prior to now. This is my first time. Mm-hmm. And I know that they said that in the book. And I was like, yeah, that's interesting. I I don't know if I believe in it as much as, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to put my money where my mouth is. But just last week, I had one of my clients tell me that they feel that the money that they spent for my services was the best money they ever spent. I know it's oh, probably wow. hyperbole. I almost wept with joy. You know, it was great. Wow. It was, and I was like, wow. So for me, I was like, wow, this works. This is having a huge impact. I'm making a difference. And that is actually what put me over the edge to hire my own coach. Cause I'm like, well, if I can do this for someone, why couldn't someone do it for me? So yeah, it's yeah. kind of all aboard the hype train, I guess, but it's, that, it's exciting. That is exciting. Another thing that I liked is they they used the term enrollment conversation instead of like a discovery call or an intake call or I just thought that was kind of a nice term enrollment conversation. Mm. Yeah, I wonder 
you know, when I first heard this idea, I was like, okay, is this just semantics? I mean, it's really just a sales call, right? <laughs> but but mm-hmm. I think one of the major points of this book is that, no, it is substantially different from a sales call. I mentioned this in a previous episode, but they in the book, there's a, a Venn diagram and there's two circles of the Venn diagram and one circle is coaching and the other circle is selling coaching. Mm-hmm. And I think their argument is that the more those two circles overlap, the happier you're going to be as a coach and the more successful you're going to be because many coaches love the coaching part of that Venn diagram, but are either uncomfortable with or actually actively dislike the selling part of the Venn diagram. And so it's like, you could be the greatest coach in the world, but if, if you can't sell that, then no one's going to know because they're not experiencing that. Right. Part of the way that I think they're saying you get to that is the their idea of no sale was ever made outside of a conversation like you mm-hmm. you you don't sell coaching by selling the idea of it you sell coaching by having clients experience it well i'm curious if you think that venn diagram or the principle that the book talks about by way of that venn diagram does that apply to your business model or is it more coaching specific as opposed to tax professional you know i what do you think about that yeah, that's a good question that I have been wondering as well, because the the thing that I can do for clients is give them advice and do technical work on their accounting, which is slightly different from coaching, but there's also a lot of overlap. Like it's it's a lot of teaching them how to use a system, how to implement something, how to plan or structure their business so that it's more tax efficient, disabusing them of, of crazy tax ideas that they got from TikTok, whatever it might be, you know, (laughs) that's what you do. There's all of that kind of (laughs) guidance and coaching aside from just the technical work that I do, which is more behind the scenes. And so I do wonder if I can bring more of that into the sales aspect of it where I'm helping them right from the start and they're seeing they they can see kind of the value that I can bring beyond like yes I have the credentials I've I can do the technical work for you but also I can be your your trusted advisor on this journey of running your business so that's interesting so maybe when you were describing that and I don't know exactly what you currently do in your sales calls or your consultations, so maybe you already do this, I don't know. But it seems like you could do a lot by way of asking them questions and trying to understand their goals. I'm sure you do this I, to some mm, degree, yes. but you know, and just like get really deep with them and, and, and help them experience what it would be like to work with you from that perspective, right? Like how involved you're gonna be, how much you're gonna care about the details of their situation. Okay, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know, that that's one take on it, I guess you could try. Yeah, I like that idea. They mentioned somewhere in the book, I don't know if I wrote it down, but asking about, oh, here it is. Understand the goal behind the goal. Ask about your client's clients. So like try and figure out who are they trying to serve and what do those folks need? And then you can kind of work backwards from there to help kind of both levels. That's sort of what sounds to me like what you are describing Mm -hmm. as part of that, asking those deep questions and trying to figure out what, what it is that they need. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that like 
never underestimate the power of active, like strong listening. Right. I think oh, yeah, for sure. What, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do in your life. If you can give someone your full attention, your full undivided attention and try to understand them, they're going to love you. <laughs> I mean, they're going to start to trust you. I mean, that's such a rare thing in our world. I think that that would apply to any business. I think, you know, yeah. Understanding their clients, clients needs. That's like another level, right? The, the more levels you can peel back, the more, what, what's the word? Not thorough, but like, yeah, well, I guess so. I mean, I, I hesitate to use the word intimate, but like, honestly, there's like a degree of that, you know, you know, like becoming more familiar with their situation and, and building right. trust there. And where they can feel like, yes, this person cares about me, but also they care about the thing that I care about. The, the good yeah. that I want to do yeah. in the world, they're also invested in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And that's one of the things I love about being in these service type businesses is that's kind of like... It's a great business for people who are genuinely interested in helping other people succeed. Mm -hmm. And if you're into that, like it's just such a nice alignment of what your values are and what you're trying to provide. So that's cool. Okay. So here's one that struck me a little bit that I don't do very well yet. And they said something about, don't be afraid to talk about your accomplishments mm -hmm. because clients want that. Like if you're too self-effacing, then how do they know that they can trust you? Like you have to mm -hmm. be able to talk about what you can do, who you have helped in the past, those kind of things. Otherwise, uh, who are you? Like they, they don't know. They have no way of knowing unless you right. talk about it yourself. And it doesn't, if it doesn't sound like you believe in yourself and you're confident in your ability to deliver, then that's kind of off-putting too. Mm, yeah, that too. Just out of curiosity, do you collect testimonials from your clients? I have not yet, but I know that it needs to be done. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I think Alex Hermosi, I know this is not the Alex Hermosi book club. This is the Prosperous Coach book club. <laughs> but I think, you know, this is actually for not, well, I don't know if it's in that book or not, but I heard him in a sales training say like, you know, if you ever are feeling down or, you know, struggling with this, like read your client testimonials, like read them to yourself, like your clients like you, they appreciate what you're doing. You need to remind yourself of that and you need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So that's a good one. Okay. I hadn't thought of using them that way. So yeah. Like a, a little, because I know I need them for like to have on the website or to be able to show other prospective clients. Cause I, I had even one specifically ask me recently, like, can I talk to one or two of your current clients to hear what it's like to work with you? And mm -hmm. I didn't have anything of that published, so I had to connect them directly, which was fine. It worked out, but it would, you know, it would be nice to just have that ready to show to somebody, but also to to uh, be able to read myself on occasion. Yeah, to, to you know, when you're feeling down, when things aren't going well, read those testimonials and and pick yourself up a little bit. You know, um, something that I've been experimenting with in this realm is instead of just asking clients for testimonials, I created a bit of a more involved form. And I have like, well, we don't need to get too in, into it right now, unless you're interested. But, you know, it has a few questions about, you know, what, what was the problem that you were experiencing before we worked together? You know, what's changed since we started working together? Some more specific questions rather than just a blank slate, like what was, you know, give me a testimonial. Hmm. And when do you have them fill this out? It's custom. So 
typically toward the end of an engagement, right? Because I, I do want to get their like complete experience captured, if that makes sense, from start to finish. But typically, they're just kind of, I find a moment that where it naturally comes up. Like with a client that told me that this was the best money he's ever spent, that was not too long after that comment that I was like, hey, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Would you mind <laughs> filling out this feedback form that I have? And it is okay. a feedback form, so it asks other things, like, you know, what could go better? You know, it's, it's not... It's not long, but it gives a, a few different angles to for, for different types of feedback. And then I ask at the end, like, would you give me permission to use your feedback as a testimonial? And that's nice for a couple of reasons, because I get positive feedback and constructive feedback, if that makes sense, all in the same form. Yeah. And if they give me their consent, I'm able to kind of edit that together into a testimonial of the right length, you know, that I would need to put on my website or, or whatever. So it's kind of, I don't know. Okay. I found I like that this idea. I mean, yeah, if that. you want, I can share the form with you later and sure. you can take what you like, but yeah, I mean, if you're having, I know you're having clients and you're having success, so you got to get those testimonials. It's awesome. <laughs> and then you'll have a database of things to tell potential clients, right? About you to the point of the, the book here. About and that one, I did write down the chapter that was in the is chapter 44. Don't be a wallflower, which I tend to be a wallflower <laughs> generally speaking. So yeah, me, me it's a good both. catchy title caught my eye. Cool. Well, I wrote that down. That's a good idea. I'll go do that. Great. I want to share one of the lines from the book that really struck me. It's, uh, I won't quote it verbatim because it's part of like a dialogue, but basically the question is posed, what's the secret to being an extraordinary coach? And the answer is have extraordinary clients. And I was like, haha, easier uh-huh. said than done. <laughs> you know, like that's, but I will tell you that is the truest thing. I think I have come to find out even from just doing this for half a year or so right now, I getting the right client makes me a better coach. Hmm. That's fascinating. And I'm, yeah, I'm not sure how to like replicate this, <laughs> you know? Okay. I mean, I, I would say, you know, I'm, I, I'm pretty select, you know, I have a, a limited number of hours to do this. And so I am already pretty selective about which clients I work with. And so I, I really am proud to say that I like all of my clients. They're awesome people. They're the kind of person I want to be working with. And I don't know. I've been pondering this line a lot because I'm like, what does it mean? Like, does having extraordinary clients make me a better coach because there's like synergies in our conversations? And like, I think, yes, that's part of it. It's also just so much easier to work with awesome clients. Like it just flows. It is. Like, yeah. They're ready. They, they show up ready to, to work and to learn. And it's just awesome. And, and therefore success rates are higher, you know? So anyway, that's just something that stuck out to me. I, I, I don't really know what to make of it. It seems like a little circular logic to me. Like, it's like, okay, cool. So how do you get those? Ex- so how yeah. Do you get the <laughs> extraordinary clients. Yeah. But regardless, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's true. In my experience. Uh-huh. And I'm like, is that relatable to you at all? I mean, I don't know. I, there's probably a wide range of cases that you could choose to work with in a tax preparation business. Oh, definitely. And the the thing that came to mind as you were describing this was niching uh, and like finding the 
particular area of taxes that I really enjoy working with and finding the clients that want help there and are really ready for it. Those are, that's where I have the most fun is when Mm -hmm. I'm really working in, in my genius and being able to working with really good clients who, you know, we can build something great together in that, in that space. Yeah. So I think for me, it's, I I've seen glimpses of what that will be like as I'm continuing to get better and narrow in on what exactly it is that I want to focus on in my practice. So if you can't tell both Steve and I have really enjoyed this book, the prosperous coach, and we found application for outside of the business of coaching. I'd say I'd recommend reading it for sure. If you're listening to this podcast, it's got the kind of stuff in it that you would be interested in and that could help you regardless of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I agree with that. And the the chapters are very readable. They're most of them are quite short, so you feel like you're you're making progress all the time as you go through the book. So it's not right. it's not a difficult book to read either. It's not a difficult book to read. And I would also say as far as self-help slash educational books go, it's got really actionable content. So it's, you know, yeah, there's theory, there's ideas, but there are also lists of like, I think it's 18 things. So like do these 18 things or learn how to do these 18 things and do them over and over and keep getting better at them. And if you do them, you know, you'll find success. So it's, it's a great combination for me of theoretical advice and then practical advice that you can actually apply. Yeah. I think we can probably end there. There's a whole lot more we could talk about, but that's probably good for. Yeah, I agree. This I think this, we'll be back to the prosperous coach. I'm sure at some point. Yeah. So oh, it will, it will come up again. No doubt. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll see you all on another episode of it's not about the money. <laughs>